0: The reason that our country is in the mess that it is in today is not because of the Republicans, it's not because of the Democrats, let me tell you this, it's because of lame Christians. There is a reproach that comes of being a follower of Christ. We in America have tried to reshape the whole church so that it's palatable and likable in the culture. A church that is accepted well with the culture is usually not accepted well with Christ. A church is a fortress, and a fortress is strength. A fortress is might. Not only a center of defense, but a place of strategic planning and offense. Our God does not expect us to wait for the darkness to enclose around us. He expects us to take up His banner and fight the darkness with His light. You want to know what the biggest problem with America is? The poor business country gave in, gave in to public pressure, gave in. Political correctness, one of the greatest curses this country has ever had to deal with is political correctness. Preparing the Christian to shine the light against the darkness of this world. Welcome to Our Mighty Fortress Podcast. I'm your host, Ron Miller, and welcome to the show. We have a very thought-provoking subject to cover today. But first, please go ahead and hit that follow or subscribe button on the podcast platform which you're listening to us upon. We have several social media platforms with all sorts of material that you can listen to and read. Be sure to check us out on our fan page on Facebook, which is growing more and more every day when you type in the search bar at Mighty Fortress 313 We do have a YouTube channel. We're uploading more and more videos every day. And be sure to hit that Subscribe button and that notification bell to let you know when we release new videos, and it sure helps the channel grow. YouTube is definitely a full time job in itself, but we're releasing more and more videos as time goes along. You can be sure to check out our website at OurMightyFortress.com. There we have all the media hosted, where we have articles and videos, and even a link to our merch store to help support the work. Of course, if you do feel so motivated to donate to the work that we do here, feel free to do so through our website and the established PayPal link. If we have helped you in some way through our work, I'd love to be able to hear about it. Please tell us at ourmightyfortress at gmail.com. By following and supporting the podcast, you let me know that you care about the subjects that we discuss. Today, I want to talk about a subject that touches us all. I want to talk about putting away what is behind us. It's dealing with events of our past and how they stick in the brain, especially attached to our memories. They seemingly are called up at the slightest trigger of an event that may happen in your everyday life, and it brings your memories back or your mind back to that specific event. How do we deal with the memories that just seem to utterly plague us? I want to show what the Apostle Paul told us in the book of Philippians. It won't be a super expository kind of uh, message with the book of Philippians, as that would take many episodes, but I do want to hit the key points that Paul points out and how he helped the church be more identified with Christ than their past mistakes. With that introduction, let's get right into this. I want to build a little bit of a background to the book of Philippians to help with the context of what Paul is talking about. Now, we have to know that the Philippian church began in the book of Acts chapter 16, verses 12 through 40, and it was during the Apostle Paul's second missionary journey. This Roman colony was a rich trade city because it was located by what was called the Via Egnatia. This was a major east to west commercial highway that saw the city have great wealth. The Romans who lived there enjoyed special privileges as colonists and were very devoted to the Roman Empire. This could very well be the reason why the Apostle Paul uses civil and political identity for them to live for the gospel. This is also where Paul met Lydia, who was a seller of purple there by the river. She was of the town of Thyatira and came to Philippi for business. Modern-day excavations were uncovered to the possible site of Paul's arraignment before the magistrates in Acts 16, verses 19 through 21. There was an inscription to the father of Claudius, who was a Roman emperor at the time, uh, that Paul founded the Philippian church. It's a pretty interesting story. The Apostle Paul is writing an epistle, from prison in Rome to the church of Philippi. He writes to the Christians that they are to strive to live as Christians despite the possible persecution. In chapter 1, Paul wants believers to grow and abound more in both knowledge and truth. That's in verse 9. By doing this, they would be filled with the fruit of righteousness of, by Jesus Christ. That's in verses 10 through 11. The Apostle Paul also speaks of of an appeal to the church to stay steadfast in face of the opposition. In chapter 2, the Apostle Paul exhorts the Philippian believers to serve Christ after his likeness. That's from verse 1 all the way through verse 30. He did want the church to follow after Christ's humility and nothing through strife or vanity, but have a lowly mind, to have a humble mind. He also called them to be a light to the world, and that Christians must work out their own salvation with fear and trembling. That's not saying you have to literally work for salvation, but it means work through or show yourself a Christian by doing good things for God. They are do all the things in the right way without murmuring and also to strive to be blameless. In this chapter The Apostle Paul also recommends Timothy and then Epaphroditus, who was very sick, but got healed by God. He wanted the church to receive him and rejoice in this particular blessing because he was healed from his sickness by God. That's amazing. This brings us to chapter 3, and that's really going to be the focus of this podcast. Paul expresses the righteous example that he wants the church to follow after through faith in jesus christ he exalts christ over the aspects of the law and the emphasis is not placed on the flesh which is verses one through ten paul demonstrates that the church is a strife towards the goal as he nor they have attained the goal yet but they are to mark those who are pursuing after the goal and the prize which is the high calling of jesus christ that's verses 11 through 14 He also encourages the believers in the church that they are to be perfect-minded and mark those who serve as a good example. It says in verse 15, Let us therefore, as many as be perfect, be thus minded, and if in anything be otherwise minded, God shall reveal even this unto you. Nevertheless, whereto we have already attained, let us walk by the same rule, let us Mind the same thing, brethren, be followers together of me and mark them which walk so as ye have us for an example. And right after this set of scriptures, it goes right into the warning for those who are going to come along and be the enemies of the cross of Christ and their utter destruction. It says in verse 18, for many walk of whom I have told you often and now tell you even weeping that they are the enemies of the cross of Christ, whose end is destruction, whose God is their belly, whose glory is in their shame, who minds earthly things." Chapter 3 then finishes on a positive note when Paul says, "...for our conversation is in heaven." Now that's not talking about us talking, conversation in old-style English. Is about a lifestyle how you lived it wasn't just about your speech but also how you lived so it says in verse 20 for our conversation is in heaven from whence also we look for the savior the lord jesus christ who shall change our vile body that it may be fashioned like unto his glorious body according to the working whereby he is able even to subdue all things unto himself the first three chapters lay a framework by which the Philippian Church can live and be encouraged in the Christian life. What's important to note is that Paul's intention in writing this portion of Scripture is to demonstrate to the Philippian Church that 1. We are dead to sin and alive in Christ and 2. We are free from the bondage of sin. Through these set of verses in Philippians, one can find hope when they are dealing with the battles of sin in their mind. Now, to the first point, we are dead to sin, but alive in Christ. In closing chapter 2, the Apostle Paul is asking the church to rejoice in the, in the brethren that were healed from their infirmities. In verse 1 of chapter 3, the Apostle Paul is telling the, ch- the church to rejoice in the Lord, and that he is going to say some things again to them that are not grievous, but are safe for them to hear. Paul then begins to warn them of who he calls dogs and evil workers. It says in verse 2, Beware of dogs, beware of evil workers, beware of the concision. In verse 3, For we are the circumcision, which worship God in the Spirit, and rejoice in Christ Jesus, and have no confidence in the flesh. Though I might also have confidence in the flesh, if any other man thinketh that he hath whereof, he might trust in the flesh, I more. then he goes on to list his qualifications as a jew as there would be judaizers who would challenge paul's authority in the knowledge of the hebrew scriptures and rituals the apostle paul was the hebrew of hebrews he said and being from the tribe of benjamin he was also a pharisee he was also a very zealous pharisee so much that he persecuted the church As far as following the law practically, he was blameless. He says this in verse 6, but all in all, all the things that he he counted uh, gain, he counted for loss for Jesus Christ. In presenting this argument, the Apostle Paul is erasing anyone's objections that they have followed all aspects of the law or even in part uh, based upon their own righteousness. The Philippian church is being instructed that there is something greater in the law itself, and that is Christ. He emphasized that though he counts all of these things for loss for Christ, that's in verse 7, it is his privilege to have suffered the loss of these things, and he counts them but a waste. That's in verse 8. There is essentially excellency of the knowledge found in Christ. The Greek word, huperikon, Used here means to rise or surpass and is translated excellency in this passage. You have the Vines Bible Dictionary that states that, quote, this verb is used three times in Philippians here and in chapter 2, verse 3 and chapter 4 and verse 7. Now, that's pretty interesting. None of our self-righteousness is more excellent than that of Jesus Christ and his perfect sacrifice for our sins. The law is based upon the works of man, and by this man is condemned already. Paul goes to great length about this in the book of Romans. Paul says that it's by faith in Christ that the righteousness of God is placed upon us and frees us from the law. Through this righteousness that's placed upon us, we can attain the power of Christ's resurrection, this does mean that we're going to take part in his sufferings as well. And as Paul goes on to explain, that's going to eventually make us conformable unto his death. As And when we have borne this cross, we will be gloriously resurrected at the return of Christ. That's in verse 10. Knowing Christ does involve suffering. It's not enjoyable. That's a fact. I think we can all identify that. And, it definitely will build a more intimate relationship with Christ. There are grounds for joy in knowing the Lord as we participate in his suffering and, of course, as we wait for his glorious return. In the close of the chapter, Paul segues that he himself strives to attain the resurrection of the dead. It's not that he's not saved. It's that he's looking forward to the resurrection. It means he's getting busy He's seeing the resurrection ahead, which is after his death, and he's, he's moving forward for the cause of Christ. One theologian put it this way when he said, quote, Paul uses his own story as a paradigm for looking to the future on the basis of presence of the future found in the righteousness that Christ is provided. Now, the first thing we demonstrated was that we as Christians are dead to sin and we're alive in Christ. The second is that we're free from the bondage of sin. Now, I can go to great lengths, and I will do a podcast eventually, especially dealing with the law, law, and grace, but we do have to understand that we are no longer under the bondage of sin. When the Bible talks about the law, it's talking about the bondage of sin. The foundation was laid by the Apostle Paul, for our own righteousnesses are not being the substance of our salvation. There's nothing that we can do. There's no good works that can replace what Christ did on the cross. Paul also puts himself before the church, stating that he has not attained perfection himself, but strives to follow after the image of Christ Jesus until the day of resurrection. That verses 11 through 12. In verse 13, the apostle Paul says something pretty remarkable. He says, Brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended, but this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind, and reaching forth unto those things which are before, I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus." Before the Apostle Paul got saved, he persecuted the Church of God, thus jailing and even having various saints murdered. These actions fall under the law and its condemnation. But when he became born again, he was set free from the bondage of sin. Now, we have to understand for a moment and really put ourselves in Paul's shoes of this time. Let's say that you had people jailed and even murdered. I mean, such an example is found in the stoning of Stephen. We don't know how many you know people Paul or Saul at the time before his name changed, you know, we don't know how many people he did this to, but I'm sure it left a major imprint upon his mind, something that he would always remember. He would go back to those churches and he'd see the faces of the wives of whose husbands he killed or had killed and remembered the husbands and the fam- uh, maybe the wives that he had killed or, you know, or children or whatever family members. Now, whether or not Saul had personally lay the hand on anyone. It's not, we don't see that written, but he was guilty of murder by his condemnation of the saints. And he said as much in the book of Acts chapter 26, verses 10 through 11. Let's take a look at that. He says in verse 10, which which thing I also did in Jerusalem and many of the saints that I shut up in prison, having received authority from the chief priests. And when they were put to death, I gave my voice against them. And I punished them often in every synagogue, and compelled them to blaspheme. And being exceedingly mad against them, I persecuted them even unto strange cities. Quote. Paul would remember these events, and he had to deal with them the same way any other believer would. It doesn't matter what took place in his past, but rather that he looks forward to his new future with Christ, now, this is not to say that when he became a Christian he had attained some sort of perfection, but as the book of Proverbs, chapter 24 and verse 16 states, it says, quote, For a just man falleth seven times and riseth up again, but the wicked shall fall into mischief. End quote. In verse 13 of the third chapter of Philippians, Paul presents the Philippian church with a very powerful thought to ponder. He presents the to the church the power of choice in the matter being no longer a slave to sin the individual believer has the choice to forget that which is behind them and that being sin this goes for any sin that they have, may have partaken in that spans across all degrees when the law of god was originally given it was meant to expose the sin of man and therefore man was bound to that during this time there was not an indwelling of the holy spirit by which prods the believer into the choice that moves us away from sin while the individual believers still had their libertarian free will they mostly preferred their sin compared to righteousness the apostle paul who claimed himself to be the chiefest of sinners can look forward to pressing toward the mark of Christ and be free from the bondage that was found in the law. When Paul says to look forward to the future of something, what he's ta- I mean, really, what is he talking about? He states that we are to press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of Jesus Christ. That's verse fourteen. Paul gives a glimpse into what Christian's life should look like as he strives for that prize. Such a life should be honorable and acceptable under God, which is his reasonable sacrifice anyways, as Romans 12 and verse 1 says. This is what starts the application to the final appeal in verse 15. In the King James Version of the Bible, the word perfect is used. And it doesn't mean that you're flawless, but it's used in a a way of being complete or righteous. It is noted that if a Christian is not Christ-minded, Paul says that God will reveal this onto them. The church is exhorted to walk side by side by that same rule and of the same mind. That's verse 16. If the church is going to be pressing forward toward that mark, then they must be of the same mind. Because if they're not of the same mind, then it's just a retelling of, in the Old Testament Amos chapter 3 and verse 3 where it says uh, can they walk together or can two walk together except they be agreed this would hinder the power of God and this is why unity is very very important to God finally this brings us to verse 17 Paul states to the church that they are to be followers together of him and to mark those who would be the examples the Greek word for followers together is one that should be analyzed. The word is sumemitas, according to the concordance. It means to be an imitator or follower. Together, the word in this form is only used in the New Testament once, and that is in Philippians 3:17. Now, the original word memeomai was used a few other places, like say First uh, Corinthians 4:16. Uh, chapter eleven and verse uh, verse one, Ephesians five one and Hebrews six twelve. This word is also accompanied by the verb ginomai, which means to to be or become, and it's used in the continuous sense. The significance for this word is that the apostle Paul talks of following godly examples as they follow after Christ, to imitate and become followers after Christ. It's very powerful wording. This is important in developing the next generation of Christians since they're going to become the examples once the previous generation passes off the scene. And of course, the negative is also true where you don't have those positive examples of being Christ-like or following after Christ and the next generation doesn't see those examples and thus becomes anti It's not that the Apostle Paul wanted the church at Philippi to imitate him directly because of who he is or his position, but rather as he pursues after Christ and those things of God. Of course, this can only be done by walking in the spirit, not after the flesh. He wrote that back in Galatians chapter 5 and verse 16. Being that the believer is not bound to the law, but rather is freed from it, He or she can choose to walk in the Spirit. When these believers choose to walk in the Spirit, they are no longer bound to the former things that had once previously enslaved them. This includes any sin that so easily besets them. Any sin. The Apostle Paul spends a great deal of time explaining to the Church of Philippi that they are now dead to sin given that they are born again and now are alive in Christ. This would help set the foundation to rebuke those who would come into the church seeking to cause division by stating that, well, there are still aspects of the law that you still have to keep. He would then go on to state that because they are freed from the law and found uh, alive in Christ, they are now no longer in bondage to sin. This means that their own libertarian free will can choose either to walk in the spirit rather than the flesh. God is teaching the church that there is more to the Christian walk than just keeping a list of rules or commandments. This is not that the aspects of the commandments aren't important, because the moral law is still very uh, relevant and still very uh, talked about in the New Testament. And there are many other principles that are found in the New Testament that correlate with the Old Testament. So when he says that, oh, well, we're freed from the law, it doesn't mean that we can just do what we want. It's talking about the gravity of a person's sin, that we we now, instead of being in bondage or in chains to sin, that we now have a choice. As Charles Wesley wrote the song, And Can It Be? In the third verse, it's he writes, Long my imprisoned spirit lay, fast bound in sin and nature's night. Thine eye diffused a quickening ray. I woke the dungeon flame with light. My chains fell off, my heart was free. I rose, went forth, and followed thee. The Apostle Paul exhorted the church to be imitators of him as he pursues after Christ and to also mark those who were doing the same. This brings everything around to your story and how this all relates to you. I'm sure that as you listen to this podcast, you may have been thinking about maybe the thorns that are in your flesh and how to overcome such memories of the past or even active events. How can you find freedom from this bondage of sin that you may be under? Well, If you're born again, this means that you have a choice in your own libertarian free will to subject yourself back from the bondage of sin to walking in the spirit. We have to realize that the freedom that is found in Christ and there aren't any chains attached to us when it comes to sin anymore. There's a lot of times where we'll purposely sit in the jail cell, the door is open and we will sit in the cell and, and, and sulk and, and and be disgusted by our own sin. But the door is open. You can walk out at any time. Now, it's easier to say oftentimes rather than to do. But the principle is still the same. And that a person must be persuaded in his own mind that he is no longer a slave to sin. You must realize that the Apostle Paul once told the uh, Philippian church that, hey, you are dead to sin but alive in Christ. This applies to you and I. Then, once we realize this, rather than subjecting ourselves to the sin that wants to enslave us, instead of doing that, we can rather choose to subject ourselves to the yoke of Christ, which is much lighter. In Matthew 11 and verse 30, Jesus himself says, For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. One of the best ways to get your mind right, especially during times of temptation, is bringing biblical verses to mind. Find verses that you can memorize and find comfort and relief. You can take verses such as Psalms 51.10, Create me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. There are so many verses that you could use, and you can uh, find verses tailored to a particular thorn in the flesh that you have. I mean, you could write these down on, say, three by five cards or put them in the, um, in the notes section of your phone that you have. Uh, you can carry that with you and just memorize them through your day. When there's a reoccurring thought, You can just stop yourself and say, I'm no longer a slave to this, then you can quote the scripture behind it. Now, again, you must be persuaded in your own mind for this to work, but it's very effective because God promises that we're no longer slaves to such sin, even if the battle takes place in our mind. There's so much more to say on this subject, especially with specific sins and hang-ups that plague us. But I really hope that we touched on the foundation of conforming our minds and our hearts to Jesus Christ and not of this world. I pray you learned something very valuable to help you in your walk. I want to thank you for listening and be sure to follow us on the podcast media. Take a look at our website, ourmightyfortress.com and subscribe for more updates. Stay tuned next time for more great content and remember to find your refuge and strength in our mighty fortress.